You're listening to Civic from the San Francisco Public Press. On this edition, we'll give you a status update on the city's plan to house the homeless in hotels during the coronavirus pandemic. The big um, problem and why we're raising all of this with this campaign as well, right, is that um, they've identified these hotel rooms only for sick people, people who test positive, people who are symptomatic. And we know if we want to take a real public health approach to this, we need to be working on the prevention end. We need to be getting vulnerable people into this, into these empty rooms to stop the spread. Would I like to open up 8,000, 9,000, 10,000 hotel rooms? Of course, who wouldn't? But that is not the reality of what we as a city can do. I'm Laura Wenis, and this is Civic. That's the sound of a socially distant car protest captured by the Coalition on Homelessness, which took place April 13th. There are signs in the windows of the cars that say, Hotels, not hospitals. One person had fixed a tent to the roof of their car. Activists around the state organized demonstrations like this last week, showing up outside hotels and unfurling banners, calling on their city leaders to take over hotels and immediately house the homeless in them. Organizers also held a virtual press conference outlining their demands. Here's Steve Diaz from LA Community Action Network. The first demand, we demand state, county, and city elected act now to provide housing to all unhoused people in the hundreds of thousands of vacant hotels across the state for the health and safety of all Californians. Two, we demand that when opening these hotels to the unhoused, hotel workers are offered are offered their <clears throat> out-of-work services, uh, the hotels will offer their out-of-work service employees the opportunity to reclaim their jobs. Three, we demand that the dignity and personal property rights of all individuals moved into hotel rooms must be respected. That week, the San Francisco Board of Supervisors had unanimously, 11-0, to 0, passed emergency legislation that would require the city to make 8,250 hotel rooms available aye. by April 26th. Aye. Supervisor Preston. Aye. Preston, aye. There are 11 ayes. Okay. Uh, without objection, this ordinance is finally passed as uh, amended unanimously. 1,250 of the rooms are designated under the ordinance for healthcare workers and others who test positive or have been exposed and need to quarantine away from their families or others that they might expose. But the majority, 7,000 of the rooms, are supposed to be designated for homeless people, whether they test positive or not, to encourage social distancing. This is where there's a bit of disagreement. Top city officials have emphasized they're prioritizing hotel rooms for, among the homeless specifically, those who need to self-isolate because they've tested positive or been exposed to someone who tested positive, or because they're 60 or older or have underlying health conditions that make them particularly vulnerable. For weeks, advocates for the homeless have been pressing cities and counties to immediately bring those living outdoors or in shelters into hotels, regardless of their level of risk for developing severe symptoms from the coronavirus. A few weeks back, I had a conversation about this with Chris Herring, a sociologist and doctoral candidate at UC Berkeley who studies homelessness and the governance of homelessness. He's one of the people who's been calling on the city to get people into hotel rooms expediently. I'm taking my lead from the public health experts and officials that we're all hearing that we all need to be self-quarantined in our own spaces and be able to practice physical distancing. And um, 
to do this preventively. Uh, you know, in my 10 years of studying homelessness, I can think of no other uh, policy field in city government that is more reactive uh, than homelessness, except perhaps emergency response, which is inherently reactive. You don't move into response until you have the wildfire or the flood. But with homelessness, it's always only when someone dies that then the reforms happen within the shelter or on the street. And this is what we're seeing here with COVID-19 again. It's we're waiting for folks to uh, become sick, and then we're going to create a, a path so that um, they can recover if they're able to recover um, somewhere quarantined. Um, so yes, as you reported, this is still um, largely uh, the government's response. The idea is that uh, if you test positive or, and you've been hospitalized, we know we're gonna need to free up hospital beds so they don't get clogged up. Um, we're gonna then put you in a hotel because what would the other option look like? Uh, you can already imagine the headline. San Francisco has homeless person tests positive and releases them back onto the street, you know, or back into the shelter, infects everyone. And so to me, it is very much operating from this space of liability um, rather than a space of proactive care and meeting homeless people's needs. Um, and uh, just, Yesterday, I'm at least glad to report that in concept, San Francisco has now said that they will uh, place uh, vulnerable people in shelters and on the street who are over 60 into hotel rooms before they um, are infected. However, um, you know, we haven't seen this happen yet. We don't know exactly where they are in the priority list, but it, it, I'm, I'm very excited that there are a group of five progressive uh, supervisors who are pushing uh, to keep uh, expanding that so this can be more proactive. Um, but yeah, the proactive form would be, let's move some of these shelters in mass into hotels. So we've got about 3,000 people in shelters. Let's just move those folks into hotels. We can even bring the shelter staff into these hotels as well. Um, and that should be to be able to be done um, pretty easily. I can talk more about the specifics of the ways we can do that, um, but that should be an easy move. And then after that, yeah, working with those on the street who are able and willing to come into hotels. This is not gonna be for everyone, um, but it is going to be an option that is appropriate and uh, many people will want to take up. And as we know from public health officials, uh, it, it's, it's, it's safer for the individual and safer for the community to have people quarantining inside in their own place um, where they don't have to be um, uh, in congregate settings or in situations where they're having to go out to get their food for survival um, and other means. Moving those uh, in from the streets into hotels, um, this is a concern and uh, we'll, we'll need to have some uh, staffing uh, around it for certain people. Um, again, uh, not everyone. Uh, I think it's important for your viewers to know that 36% of homeless San Franciscans uh, were housed just a few months ago or within the year. Uh, they were in their own homes, paying their bills, taking care of themselves. 31% of them have been are homeless for the first time uh, right now. And um, you know, over 50% uh, have been housed in the last three years. So I know that a lot of folks uh, have the strong image of you know, those who are most visible and um, uh, you know, sometimes aggressive and you know, have serious mental health and substance use issues. And yes, that, the, those folks 
um, will have challenges being moved inside um, if they want to. Uh, they very well may, may not need to. But, you know, we at least have could easily move 4,000 people plus in no problem at all. Uh, and then with the others, we're going to have to work on this. But let me say this. We're going to run into problems in the shelter with staffing as well. I'm already hearing that 50% of the staff at certain shelters are already out sick or are not coming to work because they're afraid. Um, we have to remember that the folks on the street are already receiving no services. Over 90% of them have no contact with hot team members. Um, so, at, you know, yes, it's going to be a challenge, but it's also an opportunity to provide people uh, you know, some staffing and help that they weren't getting in the shelter and weren't getting on the streets. Um, and yes, there are going to be, especially the vulnerable who are above 65, who are struggling with physical disabilities, um, they, we are going to have to staff up the Department of Public Health. But, um, you know, like, as I'm saying, there's a large group, especially of younger homeless folks, um, who can be moved in right away, even though they're not a priority, but they should be. Because if you're able to move the younger folks out of the shelters or out of the streets, I know it sounds counterintuitive, but as we know from public health experts and scientists, this is going to lower the viral spread and risk to the older folks who might need to stay in those congregate settings or on the streets longer until we get the staffing in place. Part of the argument from activists is that housing people could act as prevention, getting them into hotels before they get infected, and saving costs on hospitalization. Nikki Jones, with the Sacramento Homeless Organizing Committee, described the current prioritization as chasing sick people. The big um, problem and why we're raising all of this with this campaign as well, right, is that um, they've identified these hotel rooms only for sick people, people who test positive, people who are symptomatic. And we know if we want to take a real public health approach to this, we need to be working on the prevention end. We need to be getting vulnerable people into this, into these empty rooms to stop the spread, um, not chasing sick people. But San Francisco leaders have been pretty adamant that it doesn't make sense to move everyone without housing into hotels wholesale. They've cited a few reasons, including the logistical challenges of providing services for those in hotels and the cost. Here's Mayor London Breed at last Wednesday's press conference on this subject when a reporter asked her what she was going to do about the supervisor's legislation. The next question is from Sarah Ruiz Grossman, Huffington Post. The San Francisco Board of Supervisors voted to open thousands of hotel rooms to homeless residents. Will the city do so? I want to be clear with the public. Uh, From day one, as we started to talk to people about this pandemic, Uh, What we wanted to make sure people understood is how critical it was to provide facts, how critical it is to make it clear to the public what we can and can't do as a city. Uh, Just this past weekend, there was a rumor uh, on the Internet by, sadly, one of our city leaders that said that UCSF had agreed to test everyone in our shelters, and the city had not taken them up on the offer. She's talking there about Supervisor Hillary Ronan, by the way. Ronan had tweeted that UCSF was offering across-the-board testing of homeless shelter residents, but the city wasn't taking the offer. As you can hear, the mayor denies this. And that was absolutely false. And it was so irresponsible in light of a pandemic when we are dealing with a matter of life or death to spread false information as a city leader 
on the internet is really irresponsible and very tragic at this time especially. The fact is, we work hand in hand with UCSF and a statement by the, a joint statement between the director of the Department of Public Health and the uh, chancellor at UCSF was put out clarifying what UCSF could actually do and that is run the test but UCSF and the city and county of San Francisco, as well as many of our healthcare systems throughout the entire country are short on the swabs that are required to actually uh, initiate the test in the first place. And what we have done time and time again as it relates to uh, the hotel rooms is really try and explain to the public uh, the challenges, especially in light of social distancing. Uh, would we like to open the doors of every hotel room and give everybody a place to say, of course we would, but it's not that easy. The challenges, as I've continued to say, with the population that we are serving, uh, people who are unfortunately unhoused, uh, some who suffer from substance use disorder and mental illness, those challenges that these people are dealing with, they don't just go away because there's a pandemic. And so when we look at hotels, we have to make sure, as Dr. Colfax talked about and, and Trent Roar talked about, that people struggling with mental illness, we need to make sure that the clinicians and the city staff who have never worked with this population before, that they are trained, that they are prepared, that they are able to provide them with the resources and the support that they need, that we're not basically opening up and putting you know, 100 people with mental illness in the same hotel. We're looking at smaller hotels. We have around the clock, 24 seven service, whether it's our staff, whether it's nurses, there's three meals a day, there's cleaning, there's management, there's people who call in sick and aren't available, but we need them for those shifts. There's training that goes into all of this. And the work that we are doing, for example, here at the Emergency Operations Center has everything to do with making sure that we are working with staff in the city and various departments to get them prepared and trained to do this work. But it's not easy. And if it were that easy, we would have done it a long time ago and other major cities in this country would have done the same thing. We, are, we have moved faster and further along than almost any other major city in the country as it relates to housing our unhoused population. Over 700 people have been housed out of our shelters and counting. So I'm really proud of the work that they continue to do. Would I like to do more? Yes, I'd like to do more. Would I like to open up 8,000, 9,000, 10,000 hotel rooms? Of course, who wouldn't? But that is not the reality of what we as a city can do. And what I've made clear time and time again, that every decision that we make, everything we do, is going to be based in what is reality because it's not fair to the people of this city to pretend that we can do something that we know we can't. This prioritization approach has been top officials' position for a long time in San Francisco. Trent Rohrer, who runs the Human Services Agency in San Francisco, talked about which homeless people exactly would be getting hotel rooms. This was at a press conference on April 8th, at which point department heads had already committed to acquiring 7,000 hotel rooms total, but with a different breakdown in terms of who would be placed in them. 
This is a question from John King of the San Francisco Chronicle. To clarify, the 7,000 hotel rooms do not include any rooms set aside for homeless who are not COVID-19 positive and are not ranked as part of the vulnerable population. No, quote, ordinary homeless, so to speak. Let me clarify again. The 7,000 rooms that we are bringing online are for COVID positive, persons under investigation, who can't self-quarantine, and vulnerable, homeless individuals who are living in shelter or on the street. Vulnerable defined as age 60 and above or with underlying health conditions that would make them more susceptible to the COVID virus. So let me reiterate, 7,000 includes homeless on the street, homeless from shelter, as well as COVID positive and persons under investigation for COVID. That's what activists have been pushing back against, and why you're hearing both that the city is putting thousands of people into hotels, and that activists want cities to move faster. We'll get back to this overview of San Francisco's effort to house homeless people in hotels during the coronavirus pandemic in just a moment. You've been listening to Civic from the San Francisco Public Press. KSFP and the San Francisco Public Press are supported by listeners like you. Learn more about our membership program and join the public press at sfpublicpress.org donate. You can make a donation online or send a check to the San Francisco Public Press, 44 Page Street, Suite 504, San Francisco, California, 94102. Thank you, and thanks to the thousands of donors who have made our work possible for 10 years. This is KSFP-LP, San Francisco 102.5 FM. Let's hear more about where San Francisco is at on procuring 8,250 hotel rooms by April 26th to house homeless people and others who need to self-isolate but can't do so. When we left off, we just heard from Trent Rohr, director of the Human Services Agency, about who the city was prioritizing for hotel rooms. As of last Tuesday, the city had leased about 2,000 hotel rooms. Jennifer Friedenbach from the Coalition on Homelessness said the city shouldn't just be working with hotels to get rooms to the homeless. They should just take over. This is from last Tuesday's virtual press conference with advocates and homeless people around the state calling for cities to expedite getting people into hotel rooms. The municipalities, as was stated, have the power to commandeer. What they're doing instead is asking the hotels for bids um, and doing it in this way that slows down the contracting process and getting the hotels online when if they commandeered them, that would get the hotels available immediately, and then they would work out reasonable pay later. So um, reasonable pay is much lower than um, than market rate um, because the hotels are empty right now, and uh, most of them are shut down. Um, so um, we believe the cities can get a much better price if they commandeer um, than if they're asking for bids from the hotels. City supervisors seem convinced that hotels need to be made available and fast, hence that vote of 11-0 last Tuesday. Before the vote, Supervisor Hillary Ronan described the sequence of events that had led to this legislation being proposed. It started out when my colleague Matt Haney had a a pretty intense debate with Trent Rohr, the head of the Human Services Agency, 
asking him how it made any sense uh, to create large congregate living situations for people that are unhoused when we are telling those of us who are blessed with a home the exact opposite, that we should not be in large settings, that we should keep away from people, that we shouldn't even see our closest friends and family, that we should shelter in place with our only immediate family and nobody else. And at the time, Mr. Rohr said, this was a month ago, that he's following the advice of the medical professionals. And then later in that meeting, after he had left, uh, our chief health officer, Tomas Aragon, got up and clearly stated on the mic that uh, this was not a good idea to create large congregate facilities. Uh, that, that was not the safest option and that what we should be doing is getting individually individual hotel rooms so un, the unhoused population can do what we're all doing and shelter in place to keep themselves safe and keep our, our community safe. The five of us, uh, supervisors Walton, Haney, Preston, Peskin, and I, uh, quickly got together and for a good month negotiated behind the scenes. We made very few public statements. We were pushing almost daily Trent Rohr, Sean Ellsburn, um, the mayor herself, uh, Tomas Aragon, Grant Colfax. We were on daily, daily phone calls saying this makes no sense. This is so dangerous. People are going to die unless we get people in hotels. During that period of time, supervisors Peskin, uh, I'm sorry, Supervisors Preston and Haney, while advocating for the large community by themselves, raised money, negotiated contracts with hotel rooms and thinned out shelters in their own districts. So they, they did that, some of that thinning on their own. During that same period of time, the mayor's office spent the bulk of their energy creating Moscone West, a large congregate facility. We, behind closed doors, without making public statements, were pleading with them, please don't do that. It's not safe. We talked to medical experts who, specify, who specialize in homelessness, who agreed with us, and we were trying uh, to get them to call behind the scenes. I mean, we worked nonstop. And what broke the camel's back for me, where I said, if I don't go public with my disagreement with the mayor's office, then I am not doing my job as a supervisor. I am not respecting our separate branches of government where at times uh, different branches of governments disagree with one another. That's why we have separation of powers. It's worked well for our democracy for a long time. And that it is time for me, even in a moment of crisis, to come forward and to express in public my disagreement. That happened the day that I was called early in the morning by Abigail Stuart Khan and was told that someone tested positive in Division Circle Navigation Center. Now, if you've been to Division Circle Navigation Center, you know how close people sleep next to each other. You know that it's virtually impossible to get six feet away from anyone at that facility. And so I immediately was ready to be a team player. What do we do? Okay, so how can I go? Me and my staff will go down there. We will move people that are 60 and older or have underlying comorbid health conditions into the hotels. We're ready to help. What's the plan? And they told me, nope, we're not moving those people. All we're moving is the six individuals that slept immediately around the individual who tested positive. And I, I lost it. I said, <laughs> 
these people's lives matter just as much as my life matters and just as much as your life matter. You have been telling us that your own policy is that if people are exposed to COVID-19, you will move them inside. These are seniors and people with serious medical conditions. They have clearly been exposed to an individual and you will still not move them. That's it. I am going public. I can no longer stay silent. And so we held a press conference. And then sure enough, a few days later, 70 people tested positive at MSC South. Today, that number is up to 91 or 92. It keeps going up every single day. And the city is still planning mass congregate shelters. Um, they have moved, thankfully, uh, about 753 people from shelters into hotel rooms. I'm so grateful. I'm so happy that happened. Thank goodness but we have approximately 5,600 people that are living on the street um, and in shelters that could care for themselves. Um, and the fact that we haven't had the urgency and are not spending our time, our energy, our planning facilities, haven't been doing it for months to move those people into a hotel room, I believe is, is wrong from every which way you look at it. It's wrong from, from, from what's healthy, what makes sense medically, it's wrong morally, and quite frankly, it's wrong from a fiscal perspective. It's a lot cheaper, especially given that FEMA and the state will, for many, many people, will uh, reimburse us for the vast amount of cost of the hotel rooms. It's wrong from a fiscal conservative perspective because the amount it's going to cost in, on, on a respirator in a in a hospital room it, it, it is is so much greater. And then the cost, of course, to our community of having that many people out and COVID uh, positive it is a major pro problem. So that's now in effect. But as Mission Local reports, a mandate isn't quite the same thing as a plan, and a number of things still need to happen in order for this to become a reality. 11 votes is a veto-proof majority, but the mayor may still decide not to allocate the money needed to do this. The plan is estimated to cost more than $60 million for the rooms, security, food, and staff for a month. Logistical questions about staffing and getting contracts approved remain as well. But last Friday at a city press conference, the timeline didn't seem to concern one official. The next question is for Director Abigail Stewart-Kahn, Homelessness and Supportive Housing. This question comes from Shannon Lynn, KQED. Can you share why there is a delay with placing more homeless people into hotel rooms? There is no delay. Uh, we are placing people into hotel rooms on a daily basis. Uh, we have opened four hotel rooms uh, for the non-COVID homeless population in a very short period of time. There is another one opening today and more opening over the course of the next week in, rapid, in a rapid approach. And here's the very latest update from a press conference officials gave Monday, April 20th. This is Dr. Grant Colfax, Director of Health. In the homeless community, we have increased social distancing and food access in shelters and have been moving people to shelters into hotels for their safety. To date, nearly 750 people experiencing homelessness have been placed in hotels by DPH or HSH in collaboration with the Human Services Agency. We have responded aggressively to an outbreak at MSC South, conducting contact investigations, mass testing, and moving everyone out, and deep cleaning the building. 
Teams from the health department and the community continue to provide outreach to people outside on the streets, providing food, water, and information about hand washing stations and linking them to support and care. We asked how far the city had gotten with implementing the supervisor's emergency legislation to secure more than 8,000 hotel rooms by April 26th, so Sunday. As of Monday evening, April 20th, the city had 2,209 hotel rooms under contract. Several of the reporters with the public press are keeping tabs on this issue. You can read the latest at sfpublicpress.org. There you can also find full audio and summaries of the press conferences that the mayor and other city officials hold every other day. I'm Laura Wenis, and you've been listening to Civic. Civic is a production of the San Francisco Public Press, a nonprofit investigative news organization. SFPublicPress.org. Host and reporter Laura Wenis. Producer and contributor Mel Baker. Our theme music is by John Dillon. Additional themes from the Blue Dot Sessions. Civic airs Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. and 6 p.m. on KSFP LP San Francisco. 102.5 FM. Thanks for listening.